I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We're two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Tia Johnston, and I'm joined by my co-host, Meredith Hine. Thanks for tuning in with us today. Because not only do we have sports to talk about, we actually have, no kidding, real-life Ohio State football kicking off Saturday. Tia, I thought this day might never come. Um, did you watch the hype videos that the team released this morning? I feel like you always see these before I do. No, I haven't seen the hype video yet. Is it going to make me cry or laugh or cheer? Oh, it's, you're going to cry the whole entire time. I'll tell you that right now. It's, oh, I'm not even going to give it away. I will link to it in the story. It's probably their best yet, but basically the whole gist is, I thought this day might never come. And here it is. Game one, Nebraska. How are we feeling about this game? So I feel like one of the weirdest things about this game is it reminds me of J.K. Dommen's freshman season when we played Indiana on a Thursday night. I feel like when we open with Big Ten play, I really don't know what to expect. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not like when you open with, like, Florida A&M. And you're like, okay, Ohio State can, like, have some pieces not all the way together, but we'll probably be okay. No offense to Florida A&M if there's any of (laughs) you fans listening. Um, But, like, it's a little bit scarier. And, no, Nebraska's not, like, great, but they are a Big Ten school. Yeah. We don't have those three buffer games to get out of the way before we – get into Big Ten play. In fact, Ohio State's going to have to play like they're in mid-season form because they don't have time to catch up with Clemson and Alabama and the other conferences. Like, they have to come right out of the gate. They have to look their best in game one, which is a lot to ask, but hopefully not for this team. Yeah, and that's one of the other challenging things, too, is 
you know, we still don't have a ton of visibility into the playoff and what that's going to look like. We know when this election is going to take place, but, you know, in terms of what criteria are going to change, uh, given that there's so many, like, different seasons being played between the SEC and the ACC and the Big Ten and the Big 12 and the Pac-12. So you're right. Like, it almost feels like from a perception perspective, Ohio State has to be firing on all cylinders because Alabama and Clemson certainly are. I mean, we all know Ohio State's schedule this year is not exactly a cause for concern. Um, but like I said before, they it's not so much that I'm worried that they're going to lose to Nebraska. They're not going to lose to Nebraska. But knock on I wood, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll knock on my fake wood <laughs> desk. <laughs> I I do think that they they can't just beat Nebraska. I think they have to blow them out. I think they have to blow out every team on their schedule this year because there's only eight of them, again, knock on wood, if they actually get through every single game. But I feel like the committee is going to want to see that from a team who is playing less games than their other contenders. So can they blow out Nebraska in game one? I think that's the biggest question, and that's what I'm most worried about. Yeah, Ohio State, I think this morning, was like a 26-and-a-half-point favorite over Nebraska, which feels mm. doable, but also like a lot. Like, that's yeah. a lot. And, of course, Ohio, you know, part of the challenge would be, like, Ohio State has to beat the spread right. in order for it to be perceived as, like, a big enough win, right? Like, that's the whole point. So, yeah. We have to blow out Nebraska. We have to blow out everyone, just like you said. Obviously, we have to blow out Michigan. Well, yeah, that's a given. I don't even care if a playoff's on the line for that. But just listening to, like, Matt did a podcast with a Nebraska podcast, and Nebraska fans and media members are not super confident in this team. At least that's the vibe I'm getting. I mean, Adrian Martinez, their quarterback, is – barely being named starting quarterback after being a Heisman contender at one point. And then they have backup quarterback Luke McCaffrey. Yes, that McCaffrey, um, who is supposedly in the race to beat Adrian Martinez, their franchise, if you will, quarterback out. So again, I'm not super worried about this game. I just want I just want to see Ohio State in their prime, though. And I know it's like such a snobby Ohio State fan thing to say, but again, there's only eight games. Let's talk about replacing some of the guys that we lost. What? How do you feel about replacing J.K. Dobbins and Chase Young? So that kind of gets at your point you just made about, you know, getting back to it and being primed for a play because you are replacing these big parts of your team that made such an impact last season and you don't necessarily know how it's going to go this year. Like Master T got some touches last season, but is he, you know, is he ready to fill the shoes of J.K. Dobbins? And then you have Jonathan Cooper coming back for his fifth year. Like, is he going to be the next Chase Young? And again, you know, you make made this point, like, as Ohio State fans, we're a little bit spoiled because we have had these successes at these positions for so, so long. And it's like, what if we don't have a star defensive end? Yeah. What'll happen? Which is something we are not used to. But also, I feel like it's always this question. Like, I remember recording 
our like week one podcast last year and you're like Ryan Day's a new coach will will he live up to Urban Meyer and you know it's funny to think about now is we don't even know who Justin Fields is and looking back it's like okay so do I think that Master Teague and Trey Sermon, one of them, will replicate Dobbins' output? No. But both of them, maybe. And, it, again, same thing with Chase Young. Like, I don't think Zach Harrison or Jonathan Cooper by themselves are going to be Chase Young. But who knows? Maybe all of the defensive ends together can replicate his numbers. It's Ohio State. Like, they've never given us a reason to be worried about replacing prominent positions. So, hopefully, that is not an exception this year. Yeah, two points on that. The first is, and we should talk about this in more detail, but the role that graduate transfers and just general transfers have played and how they've altered the football landscape. Obviously, Ohio State is benefiting given both our starting quarterback and likely starting running back are transfers which is something that I don't feel like we necessarily saw. Like, I remember when Russell Wilson transferred to Wisconsin, it was, like, a wild thing, right? But then the second thing in regards to actually both the defensive end and the running back position, obviously Chase Young was a star, right? But he also got to play alongside Nick Bosa for a little bit. And, you know, J.K. Dobbins, when he came in, he was filling in for Mike Weber, who was hurt, but then there was still that kind of notion of a running back by committee, even though – he got most of the touches. And so I feel like Ohio State does a good job of you're not relying on one player. One player has generally emerged in those positions, but you also have, it's like you said, we're never worried about like if we're going to be able to reload because the players are already there. Yeah, and they actually touched on that in their last media day when they were talking about the defensive line. Like their big name of the game is going to be rotating players and what that's going to do is it's going to keep every single player fresh so you know instead of Chase Young being triple teamed on every snap and then him just being exhausted by the end of it like you're going to get a new really good defensive end in every time and I think that's going to be just as productive as having one star defensive end and that's the same thing with the running backs too so I'm really excited to see Trey Sermon and I think we keep forgetting that Master Teague at one point had like the second most rushing yards in the Big Ten as a backup running back yes he's injured but he's wow I I think Sermon is kind of taking over is taking some of the spotlight away from Teague since he got injured, but he's no schmuck. Like, the guy is good. So, you know, I don't I don't think we have anything to worry about. And even if we do, I'm just so excited to watch Ohio State play. Yeah. So, once again, kickoff is – okay, sorry. We're not going to go to break just yet because I need to harp on one thing. So, big noon Saturday is, like, the primetime game on Fox, which I feel like some people really dig because you can watch the entire game without falling asleep, which is a topic we've talked about. <laughs> I feel like disproportionately <laughs> on this podcast. But how do you feel about quote unquote like prime time, like the premier game being at noon, and also the fact that it's very rude to us folks in Central Time for whom it is an 11 a.m. kickoff. Prime time is actually something that confuses me because in the in the NFL or even college as well, isn't prime time also night games? Like <laughs> when is the real prime time? 
Well, I feel like primetime is always a night game, but, like, obviously individual networks kind of do what they want to promote their time slot. So, like, Fox has their, like, America's Game of the Week, which is always the Cowboys on Sunday. Maybe the problem is just Fox. Yeah, I personally like Big Noon Saturday better than College Game Day. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I think it's more informational. Really? Yeah. It's it's definitely spicy, but like yeah, I mean, I think I think college game day, like I I like those guys, but it's a lot of like banter and like joking around and inside jokes or I don't you know what I mean? And then it feels more like pageantry rather than analysis. Yeah, and it's fun, especially with the signs and when there's a crowd, which there is not this year, so. That's why I'm kind of leaning towards Big Noon Saturday because, like, Urban Meyer is really good on it, in my opinion, and you, like, learn things. So I'm not mad about it, but I'm sorry that you're in the unpopular central time. Fine. I guess it's going to be, like, I guess we'll just have brunch instead of, like, dinner. I'm sure that's not so bad. That'll be great. sounds ideal. (laughs) We'll discuss next week on hot takes on brunch tailgating versus, like, lunch slash dinner tailgating. I don't know. Anyway, we will have more topics to discuss around Ohio State football and its kickoff tomorrow after the break, so stay with us. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So, selfishly, uh, this week has been pretty exciting, I feel like, on the site because we've had so much content that we can publish that I feel like we've been holding back on because we were waiting for the season to start, uh, but now it's like the floodgates have opened. Yeah. I was just talking to Matt about, like, I can't watch college football right now. It needs the Big Ten. I feel like what's also challenging is, like, the night games. Like, it it still feels early in the season, and I mean, in normal years, we would be getting into the Big Ten season, but I feel like we missed out on all those, like, premier non-conference matchups. Like, those would be the games that, like, they would be on the traditional primetime at, like, 9 p.m. on Saturday night, but they would be, like, the top ten matchups. Yeah, like, we missed out on the Oregon game, and... Yeah, we didn't get any of those, and I feel like last week it was Alabama-Georgia, and I was like, yawn... Well, I actually thought Georgia would win and then quickly realized that I was sorely mistaken. (laughs) Yeah, those games are good. Like when Matt made a good point, it's like 
we know that these games matter for Ohio State, like Clemson and Miami a couple weeks ago. Like, that game matters in the long term. But when Ohio State is not playing, it's kind of hard to compare the teams right now. Like, okay, if Clemson and Miami was a close game or if it was a blowout, like, how do we compare that to how Ohio State is doing if they're not playing? So that's what I mean when it's, it's hard to watch college football right now because we can't be like, oh, Ohio State would kill this Clemson team. That makes sense. I feel like under normal, in normal years, we would make college football a full slate of games every Saturday, you know? So, yeah. you know, you watch three or four or five full games on a given Saturday. Whereas now, like you said, you just kind of have it on in the background, but maybe you don't even watch any because the implications aren't there yet, not until Ohio State starts. But, you know, some of the this content that we've been publishing, I was excited. I always get excited about our staff preseason predictions. Did you have any spicy picks this year? Yeah, so I wish I it, – it hasn't been published yet, and I wish I would have, like, kept a copy of what I selected because I kind of forget. But I do know that my oddest take was that Ohio State was going – to make it through the season without any positive COVID cases because I think this team wants it and I just don't think that they're willing to sacrifice or they're willing to make the sacrifice. Can the same be said about the rest of the Big Ten teams, a.k.a. people that they're going to be in contact with? I don't know. My player to watch was someone that I knew nobody else, or not player to watch, but the player who nobody's talking about, but who is going to, like, quietly make the biggest impact, was the recently announced starting long snapper, because I know nobody else is going to pick him, but I know for a fact that he's a really good long snapper, Bradley Robinson, and if you think about it, like, a long snapper has, they, they have no room for error. So if he just does his job, like Drew and Blake will be able to kick and punt successfully. And I think he is going to be the best player on the team who nobody talks about. Well, that's actually a really great pick because uh, Ohio State, I won't say we have a long history of long snappers, but uh, Jake McQuaid um, Mm -hmm. is the long snapper for the L.A. Rams and has been for a very long time. And I'm just looking it up. He, going into the 2019 season, he was the longest, 2019, this is outdated, obviously, um, he was the longest tenured player on the Rams roster. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, long snappers have long careers because once you get a good one, it's like you, you keep him. And Liam McCullough, he was great, and he saw himself on a couple of teams in the preseason. So I know there was a battle between – Robinson and Liam's younger brother Rowan and then Bradley I think okay please don't quote me on this was a walk-on and he beat out Rowan who was a scholarship player so that's kind of like a cool story that again nobody talks about and I think Buckeye fans are going to be pleasantly surprised with who's replacing Liam. Who is your player that nobody talks about? Gosh, I can't even remember. I think I kind of copped out, and I want to say I even said, like, like Chris Olave or something, because I was like, no one's talking about him, because yeah. he's just kind of like, like everyone knows he's going to, knock on wood, everyone knows he's going to be good. 
And we've got all of these, like, upstart receivers who are true freshmen who – this is what's cool about Ryan Day, right? Like, he's recruiting, rece- like, four- and five-star receivers, which I feel like we haven't had a ton of. Yeah. And But, you know, everyone's talking about these younger receivers, and we have this – we have Alave and Garrett Wilson. But I'm not – I actually forget who I did pick, but that would be one. One of the other things that I loved picking – were the preseason, like, Big Ten award winners. But that was really hard because, like, I mean, I know I'm biased because I'm an Ohio State fan, but also I feel like is there anyone but Justin Fields who's going to win Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year? No, and I'm looking at, like, the SB Nation's Big Ten preseason awards where all of the Big Ten sites did it, and Justin Fields won Big Ten Player of the Year and Offensive Player of the Year. And that's coming from all the Big Ten sites, so – Biased or not, I mean, he's the best player in the big. I felt biased when I picked Defensive Player of the Year because I picked Sean Wade. And I, like, I did my research, and I know that there are other good defensive players in the Big Ten, and I felt bad picking two Ohio State players, but Sean Wade is the best. I did, I did the same thing. I, like, was sitting there, and I was like, no one, like, Sean Wade is obviously going to, like, Sean Wade's obviously going to win it, but um, I, I'm i sorry. I got Dave's opinion on this one because I was like, Dave, I can't pick Justin Fields and Sean Wade. <laughs> and so I wound up picking uh, George Karloftis from Purdue. He's a sophomore defensive end. He's actually like he's actually very good. Yeah, so, you're not the only one. I think somebody else picked him. I Where did I see these results? I'm not sure, but you might have a more inside look than I do. You know... The Big Ten had so many great defensive players last year. Like, I was making my predictions based on postseason awards from last season, and I feel like everyone from the first and second team defense graduated, which was interesting. So it's I feel like there's a huge power vacuum in the Big Ten in terms of defense. But also, I don't know if you saw, I wrote a column about how empty stadiums affect. Yeah. Yeah, how we think it might affect Ohio State. And like, the NFL is about to set a scoring record. So, apparently, like, empty stadiums and, like, a lack of crowd noise are strongly favoring the offense. And so, maybe yeah. this year is not going to be the year for Big Ten defense if these trends continue. I mean, we're seeing it for other teams. But, I mean, kind of like what you wrote, I I don't think it's going to affect Ohio State that much. But for teams like Penn State and maybe even Wisconsin, like, I think – it'll affect them purely because they don't have the same level of talent that Ohio State does. Like, I think Ohio State would be better with their fans, obviously, at home, but... We definitely lucked out by having, like, this be the year that we're on the road at Penn State, assuming, like, schedule changes. (laughs) We get them in Columbus next year, because, like, that is such a terrifying place to play. It's it's one of the few places that we've actually lost. um, Four years ago today. Oh, is when we lost at Penn State. I was there, and <laughs> I never want to experience that again. I already saw your Instagram post where you were mourning the Purdue loss, Purdue. which is also, like, this week. <laughs> See, is this, like, a bad week for Ohio State to start a season? Oh, man, now, <laughs> now I'm getting a little bit nervous. Anyway, um, I think that's all we've got for today. We have real football. I can't wait. Woo. Shall we do our shout-outs? Sure. So I'm going to copy one that you did a few weeks ago. 
Actually, this may have even been a couple months ago, but, like, uh, shout out to all of the sports writers who have made it through this offseason. Obviously, like, the ACC and the SEC have been back at it for a little bit, but, like, shout out especially to all the Big Ten writers who have continued to produce content, even though the season hasn't started yet and it was so uncertain for so long, but I'm glad that we finally have relief in the form of football starting on Saturday. Piggybacking off of that, I want to shout out our very own staff for all of the reasons you listed. I just feel like we literally didn't skip a beat getting back to in-season coverage. Like, we've had a way longer break than usual. And then, what was it, Monday afternoon, I think Jean said we had, like, 12 stories already published. And not only that, but we were going to talk about this before, but... The Ohio State beat is incredibly crowded and very competitive, and so I'm just really happy with our coverage because it's very different. I know we're opinionated and quite sarcastic, and I don't think many sites are that in their coverage. We have a lot of columns. You know, we there's not really as many rules for us. So I'm just really proud of how we've stood out in that way. Speaking of which, our, some of our best content comes on our Twitter account, which I highly recommend following during game time because Matt is, you know, he finds the funniest tweets to retweet and he gets in fights with people and it's just highly entertaining. I think that's all we have. As a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at Tia Johnson underscore, Meredith at Meredith Hine, and the site at LaneGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks.